right. Cool. All right. So we're live with uh, Richie Burke. Berkey? Berkey? Burke. Burke. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Um, of Go-Getters uh, Marketing and Media, um, host of the Go-Getters podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for being on, Richie. Oh, thank you for coming. Thank you for the amazing setup we've patchworked together here today. I'm very impressed and excited to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, th- we put together a pretty, uh, pretty impressive and and janky uh, setup here. So you'll see it live. I had my staff out of here. David's cameras <laughs> were missing a card, so we've got two iPhones going. I put some lights up. The backdrop right. looks good. All right, we're good, we're good to go. We're good. All right, so I just kind of want to get into. Because a lot of I see a lot of uh, stories out there of people that are kind of already doing decently well, and then they take that next step. But I want to get into what were like the very first couple of steps for you. What what was it that made you want to go down the entrepreneurial uh, journey? Okay, so for first steps that took me down an entrepreneurial journey. Um, before my last year in college, I took a door to door sales job. So I was selling discounted brewer tickets for this kind of shady third-party company and I had to learn to sell so it was door-to-door it was straight commission we'd go out to the office at about 7 7 30 every morning they'd make us practice our pitch which was really awkward at that point in time and then they'd send us out to anywhere in Wisconsin pretty much so we'd drive out to Wisconsin and I'd have these they call them certs they were these like cardboard one sheeters that we'd sell and they had four tickets on them and I remember I was so nervous at that point in time, walking into somewhere trying to sell something to a complete stranger that was working. Mm. And it took a while to get going, but I got more comfortable doing it and ended up, you know, actually doing pretty well. And at that place, I remember they went through like 120 people that summer, no more than 10, 15 in the office at any point in time. And Again, it was straight commission, six days a week, really long hours. You'd bang on, you know, 100, yeah. 100 doors a day. You'd get told off 90 of them. The 10 sales felt really good. Yeah. And then, you know, you got better. And I learned how to sell at that point. And I didn't really, I kind of liked it because it was entrepreneurial. I was mm. trying to hit my numbers. You know, I think I have definitely entrepreneurial traits in me from when I was growing up, if I look way back. And, that kind of set me on the path. So anyway, my last year of college, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated and um, didn't really want to go into my family business right away. Didn't have a lot of other options. So wanted to do something big and wanted to start my own business. So I started that company door to door and it was gogetit.com, which was like a Groupon living social type site. If you're familiar with those business models okay, at yeah. all, like a promotional deal site. So I was going around all these small businesses, basically going door to door, trying to get them to run promotions on my website, which again, took a while to get going. But in that first year we had over a hundred clients, we had 15,000 users and we gained some traction and it felt like we were doing a lot of things right, but the business wasn't profitable and it was a saturated market and it wasn't solving a real problem. And this was back in 2011. Mm -hmm. So started it in the fall of 2011 in 2012 when the deal site was kind of growing but there was no really light at the end of the tunnel and it wasn't a very good business model we started running social media accounts for small businesses that we were doing deals for and started shooting some new videos and this was back when social media marketing was new 
And one thing I realized working with these small businesses on the deal site was they did not know how to market themselves. Mm. So we started doing that and we were getting a good response on that. And then I chose to pivot into a marketing agency in 2013. Okay. And the pivot was a train wreck. I'll go into that a little bit. So pivoted and I had to hire on two people because I'm not a videographer. I'm not a good writer. I don't know how to develop websites. Okay. You know, I was more of the sales end and, mm. and manager and leader of the team. So I hired on two people. And the first person I hired on, she was she was very bright. She went to Duke, worked in New York, came back here to be back home. And she started showing up late quite a bit. It turned out she had fabricated her credentials completely. Oh, no. And I had to let her go after six weeks, and it was it was a weird situation. And then wow. the other guy I brought on, who I called the freight train. He was a little older. He was like 35, ex-football player, just amped up, ready to go. Hell of a nickname right there. Hell of a guy. Yeah, he <laughs> he deserved every bit of that nickname. This guy was a one-man wrecking crew. He helped me move once. I remember this, me and my roommate Ian, and he basically... He stopped by for an hour and he did more in that hour than we did like the entire day. He was like lifting a couch with one hand, kicking the door open. It was it was probably the most impressive display of athleticism I've ever seen. But anyway, the freight train came on and he was doing good stuff. And we were working with all these mom and pop shops. And then we signed on um, a car dealership and they're like eight car dealerships in the area. And that was a big break for us because they were paying us. They were going to pay us a few grand a month. Mm. We were going to shoot videos and commercials that were actually going to be on TV, which was pretty cool. Right. Mm. And we had to deliver. And I pivoted at the beginning of 2013. And this was March was our first big commercial shoot with them. And I remember it. It was a Wednesday morning. And I was all nervous because that's a big deal. You start a company, you finally get a break and right. you, you got to deliver. So I wasn't sleeping very well, and then my phone rings at 4 a.m., and I pick it up, and it's, hello, this is the Milwaukee County Jill. Will you accept this phone call? And the freight train who's running the shoot is in with the DUI on the night before this. And so I run to jail to pick him up. But if you you told me to go get a DUI on a Tuesday night in Milwaukee in March— I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Like, where's the party? I don't like what's what the fuck is he doing? So I run to jail and I pick him up in that. The rest of that day was just a shit show running around. His his car was towed with all the equipment in it. We had to reschedule that shoot and it was a mess. It was a complete mess. And then he came back to work for like a week, but it turned out he was on probation for some other things. So he had to go back to to jail. So anyway, those were the two people I hired on okay. to pivot my business to, <laughs> to start this new marketing agency. Aside from all the other stuff you have to go through when you're starting a business yeah. and trying to get it off the ground. So that's crazy. That was not a smooth start. And then that summer, luckily, we got this break out of New York because my RA from Marquette went to NYU after Remington, who's, you know, very involved with our team to this day. He started working for this guy named Alan Siegel, who's given a TED Talk and grew Siegel and Gale, which is one of the largest agencies in the world. And he actually designed the NBA logo back in the day. Oh, wow. So Rem started working for him at his new boutique agency, Siegel Vision. And then he got us in there. We started doing some white label work in 2013. And that really helped us out and snowballed into some national projects. So mm. that was a break we actually you know, took advantage of, unlike the the first one so anyway that that's the that's the cliff notes of how (laughs) and why i kind of more of the how i started my business initially i gotcha 
So, so going back to that uh, initial sales job. Yeah. So did you feel like, cause I know speaking from my own experience, just from when I started um, like doing cold calls and cold emails and just talking to random strangers like that. Um, I just feel like I've grown, I have grown so much from as a person just generally. So did you kind of feel that after you went through that sales experience? A hundred percent. And I, th- I think anything in life where you're pushed well beyond your comfort zone and you stick at it, mm-hmm. you're going to figure it out Yeah. and you're going to either get good or it may send you down a different path. But as far as that one, yeah, it was very uncomfortable. I had always been insecure about my voice too. Mm-hmm. I used to get made fun of a lot for my, for my voice. I had a low, slow voice and people, people thought I was stoned a lot cause I have a laid back demeanor and you know, <laughs> I'd get a lot of shit for that. So I was insecure about my voice to begin with. So like going in and talking to people who I'd never met before or public speaking, things like that in general did not come naturally to me at all, uh-huh. which is kind of ironic since I'm running a podcast yeah, company right now say. and have a, have a show that does well. Um, but yeah, I think if you stick at anything and you're out of your comfort zone, you're going to, you're going to get better and you're going to grow as a person. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's maybe like thinking about taking a leap like that, but they're just really, you know, afraid of that, of that uncomfortability. Just sack up and do it. Yeah. Again, because if you fail, which I've failed a shitload in the last, you know, seven, eight years since starting this thing, mm-hmm. but I've gotten better and I've learned every yeah. time. So the worst case scenario to doing that is realizing, oh, I hate this, but I probably learned something. Yeah. And then I can apply that to whatever I go on to do next. Mm-hmm. So that's the downside of it. And then the upside is you're going to get good and you're going to acquire these new skills and you're going to grow a lot as a person. So ultimately there's no, there's no downside. Yeah. Usually if you, you know, face something, you know, traumatic and get through it, even if, you know, you don't excel at it, you come out stronger the other end every single time. Right. So throughout that journey, um, kind of from starting there to up until now, what was kind of the lowest point for you? Was it that the DUI night? No, (laughs) you know, the interesting thing about that, I look through that and I'm like, how did you like keep a level head and get through all, you know, that beginning and other stuff going on? Um, And I think in anything, if if your excitement level outweighs the shit you have to go through at that point in time or your goals are that big Mm -hmm. that they outweigh what you have to go through, you're going to be fine and you're going to get through it because at that point in time, you know, I was 2024, 20, I had, you know, a marketing company. I was just excited to be, to have that opportunity. Yeah. And I was excited about the big dreams I had of turning it into something. And I think even though it hit a lot of low points, um, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it was kind of rock bottom-ish, but it didn't, yeah. it didn't even feel that way at that point in time. Yeah. So how did you, how did you kind of keep your head level? How did you stay positive in those moments? Did you have like any like habits you tried to implement or was it just a matter of, you know, staying headstrong? I think it's just staying strong. I think, I think when you're put in really adverse situations, usually you kind of rise to it or, or some people get frustrated about little shit, but then you put them in a rock bottom type of situation and they're almost calm and you don't have a choice and you just figure it out. And I had a guy on my podcast, um, David Cooks, who's a, who's a speaker and an author and a basketball coach. And, you know, he got, 
the eve before tryouts his I think it was his sophomore year in high school he had a I'm gonna get this wrong it was something like a t12 or a t3 spinal aneurysm and was paralyzed oh, wow. from the waist down and he hasn't walked since and he's he took that and could you imagine being a high school basketball player where your identity is a basketball player and all of a sudden you can't walk and you can't be on that team in high school and you're in a wheelchair the rest yeah, of your life that's tough. and he's very inspiring and he's you know he's pushed through that and created the successful career and he coached with Duke with Coach K and he was the head coach at Marquette High School for a long time and just a, a very inspirational guy but you look at something like that compared to what you know entrepreneurs go through starting a business which is usually a very temporary situation of pain and in the big scheme of things it's really nothing mm. and I think just maintaining that because especially when you're entrepreneurial and you're starting a business like any day you could find 30 things that could throw you off. Yeah. Like shit happens all the time when you're trying to start off. And I think just, yeah, staying positive, knowing that you're going to push through it and learn and get better is really important. Mm, and yeah. then, and then putting things in perspective, I think, you know, I brought up the David Cook's example, but the fact that if you want to take a, take a really broad picture that, you know, we get to live in the United States in 2019, regardless of all the political shit and other issues we have going on right now like we have the freedom to even start a business we live in a free country most right. of the world doesn't most of the world is in poverty and struggling and even to have you know these opportunities i think just i think perspective is very important yeah 100 percent um so what because i know you kind of transitioned sounds like you offered mainly the video stuff and mm -hmm. then at some point you transitioned to more like the audio podcasting stuff so what was that transition like and why did you decide to do that yeah for sure so yeah the com the company started we were doing a lot of social media accounts video some websites for small businesses back in 2013 and we've evolved and grown okay since then and now we're working with you know some fortune 500 companies some good educational institutes some uh and we work with small businesses still as well, but we, you know, we've, we've grown a lot in that way. And the audio service came because I started the Go-Getters podcast in 2016. And if you think this is a janky setup, what we have going right now, like <laughs> that was a real janky setup. I had the $60 mic off Amazon and I remember, and it was in an open space. Basically our old office was in a strip mall almost and we had a couple other tenants in there and anytime someone would open the door the a bell would ring and like that's where I was recording this podcast yeah. from back in 2016 and I remember being so nervous when I started out I had my buddy Ian who was my old roommate and Rena Andrews on for the first episode two people I was friends with and I think it took me like five tries to read through the introduction and I just sucked you know but I started this podcast in it actually worked because no one was really doing it at the time and we were creating good video content off of it and we saw how it helped grow our business in other ways. And then I hired on Gabe, who's our producer and audio engineer here right now, back in pretty much in late 2017. And he basically told me we were doing everything wrong because he's really good at that stuff. And we upgraded equipment, upped our show. And we saw what it did business-wise for us, the effect it had, the effect it had on sales, the effect it had on exposure. And it's like, okay, why aren't brands producing audio content? Mm. Everyone's consuming audio content. Podcasts are growing. 
brands are at a certain scale. If I started this show and grown it to the level it is with virtually no following starting off, if I'm a brand and I can start up here, it's a no brainer. It's, mm. it's an easy win. You're at a certain scale episode one. So it makes a lot of sense for brands to be consuming audio content. And that's why we doubled down and, you know, got the nice equipment, built out the studio in here, started offering it as a service. And I think it's really the future of, of content. Yeah. Is humans were, we're addicted to convenience and we're addicted to speed. And that's why you see Google Homes and Alexas taking off and going from one to 20 million households in 2017 and growing another 80% last year is because saying, hey, Google, what's the weather? Opposed to taking out your phone and clicking on the weather app saves five to 10 seconds. Yeah. And we give a shit about those five to 10 seconds. So you got that. And then on the convenience end, video, you need your full attention on the screen. Written word, you need your full attention on the book or the screen. Audio is a passive medium, so we're really busy. And I can listen to podcasts while I'm commuting, while I'm working out, while I'm cooking, or trying to cook, while I'm doing other activities. And that's why podcasting's really taken off, and that's why brands should be consuming this content. Yeah. And to go off of that, like podcasting's a great foundation for content. So what's worked really well for us because I think audio is really the future but video is still the now and written words still important so creating that podcast and like we're doing we're shooting a video right now we're maybe going to do some written content off of this and by the you know half hour 45 minute conversation we're going to have we can have really you know five ten really good pieces of content that we can put on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and like that's why I'm so high on podcasting that's cool yeah, so do you think, because um, I know a lot of people are trying to like jump into the podcasting thing now, myself included. Yeah. Do you think it's getting to a point where it's almost like too saturated or do you still see a lot of opportunity? No, because there's still only 600,000 600, active podcasts and there's over 400 million active blogs and 400 million active YouTube channels. So... Yeah, it would have been better to start a couple of years ago. But if you compare that to where, you know, video and written is right now, yeah. there's still a shitload of white space in the podcast yeah. world. So so piggybacking off of that, same same question for social media. Because I know, like, when you started the, the um, Groupon-esque type thing, you said it was kind of too saturated. Do you see that now with social media and offering, like, video and paid ads and paid traffic and stuff like that? Um, just cause like that lower, that barrier of entry is so low. Do you see it kind of becoming a little bit too saturated? Do you still see space for opportunity? There's a lot of space for opportunity. It's clearly harder than it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's clearly a lot harder than it was five years ago when organic reach was everything on Facebook. Right. But there's still a lot of opportunity if you can do it right. You just need to step your game up like video is huge a lot of a lot of people are not good storytellers and don't create engaging content a mm-hmm. lot of brands don't do that um so if you can create good content and tell good stories and put out stuff that people actually want to consume there's still a big opportunity and then paid traffic i mean we're killing it with some clients right now on google adwords which has been around forever mm-hmm. Um, in retargeting those people through Facebook video and yeah. setting up sales funnels like that. And another good thing, especially in like the B2B business space, especially in Southeast Wisconsin, is the bar is set so low, like no companies do it right. So if most companies are out of three, like they don't even have good websites and everyone's doing research online. Mm. So if you can take a company from a three to like 
a seven, yeah. which isn't very hard to do, and their competitors are still at a three, you can make them a fuck ton of money. Yeah. Because so, the transaction value is so high there as well. Yeah, yeah. So do you find it, because um, I know you're originally from like Madison, Wisconsin, yeah. area, right? So do you find, like how has being located in Milwaukee affected you? Do you see it more as a disadvantage or an advantage being in like a smaller market? I like to look at it as an, it as an advantage because it's easier to stand out here mm-hmm. in that regard. It, it's been easier to stand out. It's been easier to get in front of people and really build a good network here mm-hmm. and build a lot of good friends and a lot of good relationships. And I think if you're innovating in this city, then you stand out because there's less people doing it here. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that changing. I see a lot of progress in the city right now, which is awesome to see what the city is now compared to five years ago is completely different. So, and you have all these new initiatives with, you know, start in Milwaukee, Northwestern mutuals, you know, has a lot of conferences right now. And they did that venture fund with Aurora and some other companies locally. And Mm -hmm. like the summer fest tech initiative is going to be much bigger this year. And you see all this progress being made. So that being said, it still is easier to stand out here the businesses in this community I think can lag behind, especially from a creative standpoint. So sometimes it's, even though you're innovating, it's harder to actually sell that into companies and make money off of it. And people really want to get to know you before working with you Mm. in this town. Whereas, you know, the clients we worked with in New York or Chicago or California are, you know, they're more aggressive. They're, they're quicker. They make decisions faster. So I think there's pros and cons to it, but there's definitely some advantages of being here. Okay. Yeah. So, um, So I guess transitioning to why a business should start a podcast or something audio. So say, say like there's a business owner listening right now and he's kind of like on the fence. Maybe I should start a podcast. Maybe I shouldn't. And you have like 15 seconds to talk to him. What would you say to him? Just that your audience is consuming audio and your competitors and yourself aren't producing it yet. So in marketing in general, you want to go where customers are already spending time and where you can add value to their lives and audio is a great way to do that right now and aside from audio again you can create so much additional content off of that episode for facebook for linkedin for instagram for your blog Mm -hmm. and so it's a smart decision and now is the time to get in the game because like you were asking is it too saturated right now no again uh, you know 600 thousand active podcasts 400 million active blogs and youtube channels it's like Mm -hmm. It, it's not going to be like this forever. Right. So now is a good time to get in so, the game. So what's that first step? Like what's what's the first thing that person would need to do to get involved? Hire me. <laughs> <laughs> we do it all for them. We create a strategy. We create a compelling show for them. We create the content. So all right, that, that's a good first step right there. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, if they want to do it themselves, there's plenty of, you know, DIY options and something is better than nothing. Again, you... You see how, you know, you're figuring it out now and you're doing a lot of good things. You see how I figured it out and was able to grow a business off of it, even though I was doing everything wrong the first year, Uh you know, so. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for me. Do you have any any last remarks to the people listening? No, I mean, this was great. Thanks for your time. Thanks for setting this up, stopping by. I'm excited for this show to come out i think you know more podcasts especially coming out of milwaukee the more the better and i think it just 
shines a light on the positive things going on in the city where a lot of the news can unfortunately still be negative. So yeah, appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no. So going back to like why, why you should start a podcast. The, one of the big reasons for me was cause I wanted to have an excuse to like interview and ask questions to awesome people like you. And like just from asking around people in Milwaukee, um, I was just kind of asking around people that I should know and you kept popping up. So yeah, um, Pretty cool to be able to talk to you, and thanks again for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. All right.